We live in a world where you can get anything you need delivered to your door thanks to DoorDash. If you don't want to do the dishes or you feel a little sick, let DoorDash bring dinner tonight. My family uses DoorDash all the time because it connects us to our favorite restaurants without us having to drive. Last night, we got some Indian food for my wife, some gumbo for me, and sushi for the kids. And everyone was happy, and we didn't have to do the dishes. The process of ordering was quick and easy, and I love DoorDash for real. So I was so happy to do this for them because I'm a customer, because I know DoorDash is your door to more. Must be over 21 to order alcohol. Alcohol available only in select markets. DoorDash, your door to more. Download the DoorDash app now to get almost anything delivered. Okay, ready? Think what you know, and it's about a time when you get yourself in a I want to it's her ratio. Okay, though. It's her ratio. Okay, though. That might be the best question I've ever been asked. <laughs> So you're saying that James Brown, in your mind, is really the first rap artist. He's the first hip hop artist. He's the one that changed the upbeat to the downbeat. And the downbeat is what the funk is. So how we rhyme and in the positions that we rhyme and the way we rhyme on beats, that was created from James in the 60s. That measure, that, that pattern was created from James in the 60s. There's different patterns of that of that drum beat, but he's the one that said, make it go down instead of being <laughs> all up. He made it go down. So that move right there created a whole nother genre of music that ended up being here today. The Kid Capri has been a major part of hip hop culture, a major DJ since the early 90s. He was doing it since he was eight. But he's been big for a very long time. He was part of Def Comedy Jam. He's been on tour with everybody. He's rocked every stage. Before the pandemic, he was doing 250 shows a year. He's back with a new album called The Love. The cover is a picture of him and his mom. On the album, he's singing with his daughter. It's all a beautiful thing. We talk about hip-hop. We talk about DJing. We talk about Bernie Mac. We talk about making music with his daughter, it's an awesome conversation that takes you deep into the mind of a DJ. Let's go. It's Kid Capri on Touré Show. If an alien came down and asked you, yo, what is this hip hop thing that everybody is talking about? How would you explain to them what hip hop is? The voice of the street. When you push people to not have anything, they have no words, they have no rights, they don't have any jobs, they, they're living in, in neighborhoods where they don't know where their next meal is going to come from next. You push people to create. You push people to come up with something to change culture. So what happens is 
you have a voice to the street. You have people that's want to that want to be heard. And funk and hip hop always been here. Rap didn't start now. Rap started in the forties. Rap started with the Jubilees, the gospel group, the, the gospel Jubilees that they used to sing and rap at the same time. This is nineteen forty. Then you had a, a guy named Pygmy Markham that was a comedian. Yep. He made the first rap record. Yep. James Brown brought hip hop to fruition for Pygmy Markham to even make that record. So. He created hip hop before hip hop was even hip hop. That's why it's so important for the young people, our ever, whatever, ever comes after us, to always support and, and talk about James Brown because him, without him, we wouldn't have a job. So that it, it's the voice of the street. It, it, it made people listen because when hip hop started, I've been from every ever. When hip hop started, they said, you know, it wasn't going to last. You know, it's yep. going to be here for a minute. It's a bunch of noise. It's going to be gone. You know, um, it became so powerful because. We didn't have anything else. That was it. So it's what we held on to. You know what I'm saying? And that's why it means so much. So you're saying that James Brown, in your mind, is really the first rap artist. He's the first hip hop artist. He's the one that he's the one that changed the upbeat to the downbeat. And the downbeat is what the funk is. So the way we do how we rhyme and in the positions that we rhyme and in the way we rhyme on beats, that was created from James in the 60s. That 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 um that measure that that pattern was created from James in the sixties. There's different patterns of that of that drum beat of that downbeat, but he's the one that said make it go down instead of being <clears throat> all up. He made it go down. So that move right there created a whole nother genre of music that ended up being here today. He definitely seems to sometimes be doing what would be more syncopated talking rather than, so he has moments when he's singing, absolutely, but right. he has moments when he's sort of syncopated talking rather than all out, like Marvin Gaye, who has his rap moments in like Trouble mm -hmm. Man, but he's mm -hmm. really singing, right? With, right? with James, James would do a record, Funky Drummer, which is one of the records that kind of molded hip hop. Right, mm, it's the at least selling single. If you watch the Godfather, if you watch the, um, the Godfather, um, oh, the movie. But if you watch this movie, a James Brown, James Brown documentary that Mick Jagger did, you will see Clyde Stubblefield, the drummer of the record. He said, "I hated that record, and it's our least selling record." Questlove was on there too, talking about it. This is the record that motored it. Um, James would go with that record. James, it, it was a session. It wasn't a song. He made them leave a, a, a concert that they did and go to the studio at four o'clock at night or something like that. I'm sorry. At four o'clock at night. And they went to the studio to go make this record. But if you listen to the record, James is not, he, he's not really saying nothing over. It's really a session. It's just like a jam session. Yeah. But it's one of the best hip hop records ever made, ever. You know what I'm saying? And there's a lot of records he made like that where he's just talking. It was just his feeling. It's the, it's the fly things he said. The funky way he said it, his rough voice, like in, in, in the placement. Like when I do my shows and I'm on stage, my voice is a placement. I don't use my voice just for the sake of the microphone. I use it as an instrument. And I get that from James. I get that from James. James say, will say things that make it sound like it was a part of the beat. You know what I'm saying? Yes. So he didn't have to really sing. He just had a funky way about it that made him go to the moon and, and everybody followed him afterwards. And he also did a lot of 
political records in terms of I'm black and I'm proud or just stuff mm -hmm. about being a man or about being mm -hmm. a self-reliant. And those are very hip hop kind of messages. Absolutely. Say aloud, I'm black and I'm proud. That was rap. He rapped on that. He didn't sing on Say Aloud, I'm black and I'm proud. The hook was a was rap hook and the, the verse was a hook. He, he talked the hook. And he, he caught a lot of flack for that record. He lost his radio stations. You know, he, uh, he got banded off of there because at that time, you know, that was a strong message for him to have. And um, he didn't really care. He went and did his thing. And that's what made him so great. That's what made Muhammad Ali so great. When you make things bigger than you, it's, it's not when, it, when you when you make the situation more about you or more about the situation than you make it about you and you give yourself to people. That's why Muhammad Ali is, is one, it was one of the greatest in James too. So if James Brown is your number one pre-hip-hop influence or star or whatever, who's number two? I would have to say Cool Herc. Okay, so then Not you're going into the actual because he's traditionally yeah, well, if you're talking about if you're talking about from from music, if yeah. you're talking about musical yeah. groups, yeah. Okay, we can go on. That'll be all day. We can cool in the gang, Earth Wind and Fire, meters, we can go on and on. But Earth Wind and Fire is singing. Cool and her cool and the gang are are singing. I mean, amazing groups, but like you 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 maybe think about music. James Brown a little bit differently. Yeah, of course, but but it's the funk music. It's the it was the music. James was James. He stood alone. Yeah, he stood alone. Nobody was him. So he was the king. Yeah. But other dudes that came and was influenced by James, they didn't they didn't they didn't do what James did as far as well. You know, there's a lot of them. A lot of records I have that they were saying the exact things that James was saying and doing it the same way as James was. But those were groups that was assigned to major labels. They were records that would just come out. But real groups like Earth Wind and Fire and Cool and the Gang. They develop a funk sound from James, but they had their own sound. Their sound, and it was hip-hop. It was hip-hop. You know what I'm saying? So they might not have sung like James or had the funky ways like James, but they had their own funky way. The same thing with when Bootsy Collins came out. I mean, uh, mm. when, when Parliament came out, Funkadelic came yes. out. Yes. They took it to a whole different level. It was another time. They took it to another level. And now the way they were talking was kind of rapping because they were talking shit on the, on, the, on the records. You know what I'm saying? And the records that the beats that they had were funky beats. Later on, they were sampled in hip hop. You know what I'm saying? The same as James. So it was different levels. But James was the number one dude that started it all. See, in, in your definition was interesting, too, because you started out talking about socioeconomic stuff. When you when you take everything away from people, then they're going to have to find a way to create and speak back. And I always think about Robert Moses. You're a, you're a New York born and bred. You, are, you know what it is. Robert Moses is the city planner who shaped modern New York, who created a city where basically the white people moved out of the Bronx and into the suburbs. And that's what created the 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 black and brown poor Bronx of the 70s and 80s, which is what hip hop was talking about, what hip hop came from. And if he right. hadn't impoverished New York the way he did, it, things would have gone completely differently. So like he he's an incredible part of like an anti father, but absolutely part of what led to hip hop. Yeah, and, and that's what the message is all about. Melly Mel's message. Yes, if you listen to the message, this is that's he speaks. Uh, it's a, it, he speaks to that. You know what was going on in the street, how the Bronx was looking. You see the video, you see everything was going on. The Bronx was bad at one time. You know, I come from the Bronx. I come from the, the, the good part of the Bronx, of Kingsbridge. But on the other side, it was you know burnt buildings and 
all kinds of things. But this is what created hip hop in that barrel because people were living in poverty, man. They had no other way out. You know what I'm saying? So it, it created people wanting to talk and he did it in the, in the rap form and it worked. You know, yeah, and, uh, to, the, see, to see to see where it's at right now is amazing. Rapper's delight was cool, right? We some people mm-hmm. talk about King Tim the Third, whatever, whatever. But the now, message now, Fatback Band. I'm sorry to cut you off. Yeah. Fatback Band, Bill Curtis of the Fatback Band. That's my uncle. Okay, and they made the King Tim the Third. That was the first rap record. Rappers of Light. Everybody would think that was the first one. No, but King Tim the Third. That was the first one. Then Rappers of Light. Yeah, yeah. But yep. the message is the one that really sets the tone for what hip hop would become. And when you yes, look sir. at everyone from KRS to Kendrick Lamar, we're all the children of the message. Absolutely. Absolutely. The other night I had a birthday party and I was fortunate to have three different eras in their performing, which I didn't even ask them to perform. They just did it. Melly Mel wow. came, message. Well, he didn't do the message today, White Lines. Redman came and did one of his records, but he was with me the whole time. And Capella Gray, the new artist, uh, Capella Gray, got a new record out right now. It's doing real good. So it was dope to see all three of them there, you know, enjoying themselves. When you talk about multiple generations coming together, the cover of your new album, The Love, is a mm-hmm. picture of young Kid Capri mm-hmm. <laughs> and mom, right? With the, with the big, afro. huge afro. So that picture is from when, early 70s? Yep, that was like uh, maybe 74, 73, 74, something like that. Is she still with us? No, she passed away in 2011. Okay, so I mean, yeah. like, how is how did you come up with that idea? And how meaningful of that, you, you put a picture of mom on the cover of the album, and then the album is so much you and your daughter, so it's so much family in the mix. Well, my daughter's on on the one record Uptown, and my the last my my daughter's last name is uh my daughter's name is Lena Love. My last name is Love, and um people used to say back in the day, you know, when hip hop started, and I started, you know, why you name yourself D, uh, D Love? My name is David Love, so why you name yourself D Love as a DJ? Back then, you used to make a name, you know, what I'm saying you used to make up a name, you know, it was D Love is a dope Flag. name. It is, but back then you made up a name. You never used your name. You always right. made up a name. So you know, um, but. I never really made a big deal about my name being love. I never really used to say, you know, in shows or on the tapes or on the radio or nothing. I never really made a bit of big deal of it. But my daughter's name is Vina Love. And, you know, I just wanted to make an album. And keep in mind, this is my third album. All this, this whole, all these years I've been out, I never had to depend on making records. It's never been my bread and butter. I did it because I wanted to do it. Even though I'm a Grammy Award producer, I made records with a lot of different people. It never been a thing where I wanted to make an album every year. I only had two albums besides this one. So, but when I did this one, when I seen Vina growing up and singing and doing her thing, I said, you know what, the love thing, the love thing. And it made me decide that, you know, it's all family. What, what happened was I was going to do my, this album was going to be called The Thumb Drive because my first album was called The Tape. 30 years later after my first album, I wanted to call the thumb drive and this is how I sound now. But then my cousin sent me that picture of the album cover with my mother. Changed the whole narrative. I said, you know what? We're going to call this the love. The love of my family, the love of music, love of hip hop, love of everything I do, love of my fans. And that's what we're going to do. So I have my daughter, my mom's here and my daughter. Here. Yo, what, tell me about the feeling of making a record with your daughter. And like Amazing. her being a part of the thing that you love, that is your heart. And now your baby, which is your heart, is in. I mean, like, what is that like? 
it's amazing, man. And, you know, I can't think of any other person, any other uh, mother and daughter, uh, father and daughter that done that, except anything close to that was probably Natalie Cole and her father, Nat King Cole, when they did the video of her singing and him in the video. So I haven't seen anybody done this, do this, but what it does, it, it's bigger than that. What it does, it shows layers, man. It shows you could be a father of your child, man, and do the same thing that your child like and have fun with it. You know, and um, it, it's positive, it's party, it, it, it's, you know, with, with everything that's going on right now, the shootings, people being killed, everything going on, man, you need, somebody got to change the narrative, man. Somebody got to bring something that's going to make people feel good. And um, to have my daughter on that record with me, man, you know, it's special, man, to see her in the video with me, you know, it's just, it's dope. Every time I see her on stage before time and records that she did and videos that she did, it just makes me proud, man, every time, man. And I'm glad that she's here with me on this record. How many kids do you have? I have two daughters, um, Vina and I, my oldest daughter, Kieva, which Kieva's birthday is on the same day as mine, February 7th, and, my, and Vina's birthday is October 7th, so we all seventh. Wow, yeah. that's crazy. That's crazy. Did yeah. you did you encourage Vina to go into music, or you, do you think that she looked at you and took inspiration from what you're doing? Yeah, um... I did a show at Radio City Music Hall with LL, Sierra, and somebody else. This was in 2007. And I brought Dave Vina with me to the, to the show. And when I came out, I had to do two parts. When I came out the second time after the intermission of the show, I brought her on stage with me. And she did this dance routine. I didn't even know she was going to do it. She did this dance routine in Radio City. Lost their mind. They went how, crazy. How old was she? So I'm carrying her around on my shoulder. After LL's on stage, I'm carrying her around on my shoulder in the crowd, people trying to grab her ass for autographs, pictures, and all that. So I knew she had a little star quality. But when she started trying to sing, when she started wanting to sing, um, I didn't take her serious at first. I thought she was okay. And then she brought me this record that she did with a, she had a little boyfriend at the time. She did a record called Best of Me, uh, the Maya and Jay-Z record. She did that. And that's what it made me like, okay, she's, she's serious. And then when she brought me this record that she wrote for Rihanna called Air, that Rihanna never got to, she ended up doing it for herself. And that was the record that brought her in. That, that was the video that, you know, everybody started paying attention to Rihanna and it made me know that she was serious. But more than that, you know, you have your kids in this business, man. Sometimes, you know, you know how this business is, man. You know, you know how it is. So people, it, it's not for everybody, but everybody wants to do it. But you have to be a type of person that's got the skin for it. And me knowing her, you know, growing up through the years, I knew what kind of person she was. So I knew she would handle certain things a certain way. I wasn't going to stamp her unless she proved to me that she was good. I didn't want it to be a, you know, it's kicking pre-daughter. So pushing on people, not. Nah. You had to show me, she had to show me that she was dope. And then I stamped it. And when she did that, it was all, it was all the rest of his history then. So now she's on the record with me. And we're moving out here. You've been part of the culture for 30, 35 years or something, 40 years. I mean, like, are you still as excited about hip hop as you were, you know, like in the eighties and nineties? It's a different feel, but I love it. I still love, love it because you know why it, it, it's not a problem for me because change is going to happen. You're not going to stop change. You know what I'm saying? You either move with the change or you don't move with the change. If you somebody that like me that want to satisfy both ends of the spectrum, I don't play for just the older people. I play for the younger people. That's why my show on Sirius XM Fly is called The Block Party. You go to a block party, everybody's invited. Doesn't matter what your age is, how you look, how you dress. Everybody hear good music all day and you go home. 
So I always been on an even playing field with everybody. But even in the nineties, we didn't like everything. No, we liked certain things. We didn't like everything. So every ever, we didn't like everything. Right now, we may not like everything. The reason why is the reason why that question resonates when other people ask, or when people ask it, they want to know is because right now we have a time where sixty thousand records come out on Spotify a day. At one time, you had to be special to get signed to a record deal. Now, anybody that has a computer could throw a record out there. So now, thing uh, people's attention spans are short. They don't appreciate the music as much. They get too much. They consume too much. So that's why making a record making a body of work is so important because you're either going to make music for the time now that's going to be here for a moment and it's gone, or you're going to make something that's going to last forever. My album, The Love, if you listen to it from the top to the bottom, it's a body of work. It's everything going different. It's not one type of thing. So that's how we got to make music. And if we make music like that, then more people will enjoy it. But if you're doing one thing, everybody's doing the same thing. All the music's the same way. You go see the show. They run across up and down the stage, ad-libbing over their record. I want to see you get hoarse. I want to see you. I want to see you mess up. I want to see you lose breath. I want to see you sweating. I want to see you working. That's when I'm gonna appreciate you. Not me coming to your show to watch you ad-lib your record. I get your fucking record on on the on the radio. Like I don't need to come to a big concert to stand there and watch you. Look cute on stage, ad-libbing, running up and down the goddamn stage. I need to see you perform and rock out. And somewhere along the line, we got lost there. I don't know where that became the shit to do, but somewhere along the line, we got lost to what's really important, giving people their money's worth, man. We live in a world where you can get anything you need delivered to your door thanks to DoorDash. If you don't want to do the dishes or you feel a little sick... Let DoorDash bring dinner tonight. My family uses DoorDash all the time because it connects us to our favorite restaurants without us having to drive. Last night, we got some Indian food for my wife, some gumbo for me, and sushi for the kids. And everyone was happy, and we didn't have to do the dishes. The process of ordering was quick and easy, and I love DoorDash for real. So I was so happy to do this for them because I'm a customer, because I know DoorDash is your door to more. Must be over 21 to order alcohol. Alcohol available only in select markets. DoorDash, your door to more. Download the DoorDash app now to get almost anything delivered. One of the people who helped inspire me to want to be in broadcasting is Oprah Winfrey. She's an inspiration for so many of us, but her daytime talk show was so incredible. And it told me that you could be black and authentic and real on TV. And that made me want to do it, too. Black Stories, Black Truths is NPR's new collection that's a celebration of blackness. Each of NPR's black voices are as direct, varied, distinct and nuanced as the black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and how to create world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account of what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective. Black perspectives that haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story, but now they are the story. On NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Hear a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcast that center 
Black Voices. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as varied, as nuanced, and as Black as we are. Stories should never be about us without us. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR, wherever you get your podcasts. You make me think about how those of us who love the culture and were part of the culture in the 80s and the 90s, we may still love it, but mm-hmm. we're like, you know, we may not want to say it out all the time, but we're kind of like, yeah, you know, they used to rhyme a lot harder. You know, they used to rhyme a lot better. You know, the beats used to be a lot better back in the well, day. You know, do you, feel, do you so feel like that at all? Yeah, but you know what? We have to blame not radio, the people kind of that run radio. Because radio dictates what should be played and what shouldn't be played. A lot of DJs don't have the freedom to do exactly what they want to do on the radio. I'm not talking about serious. I'm talking about regular radio. So they have to stick to this certain thing. Certain DJs that might, you know, like Flex on Hot 97, he may have a freedom to do a certain thing. But certain DJs got to do a certain thing. And it keeps them into a lock hole. And what happens is the corporations ahead, they say that this is what's supposed to go. They may not even really know what's what's really supposed to go but this is what's making their money so that's what we got to focus on so those records become watered down i don't even listen to the radio i never listen to the radio i'm looking at title and i'm aware of like so-and-so just dropped the album so-and-so singles bubbling let me check out what megan did let me check out what you know 21 savage did whatever and there's a reason why there's a reason why it's because you you're you're a music historian You've been here, you know your shit. So you are not the type of person that somebody could program. But a person that goes to work every day, blue-collar person, drives to work, come home, have a regular day, they could be easily programmed. So they turn the radio on and they hear the same thing all day. Now, they might not even like this record, but because they heard it 10 times a day, now they're walking around singing it. You see what I'm saying? It's like a programming thing that they do to you, Right? That's why Sirius is so important. That's why shows like Versus is so important because Versus show you how you're supposed to perform. I do, wonder, you how- I, I do wonder about that, about even if I'm susceptible about like, do I really like that record or did I hear it a hundred times and, and then I got like acclimated to, I can even think of records where it's like, I didn't like it the first 20 or 30 times I heard it, but you go into the club, somebody turned on the radio, so, you know, it's on a TV show or whatever. And then like the 40th time you hear it, you're like, oh, actually I do like that. Or is it that I've just become so used to hearing it that it clicks? That's what it is. It, 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 it's, it's programming. That's why it's called programming. Because they program your head to like something that has potential. So, you know, again, there's a lot of records that came out terrible. But then later on, you learn to live with it. It's like it almost becomes a part of, the, of your everyday life because you heard it so much. Now you go to a party, you see people dancing, going crazy to it. Now that makes you like it even more. Do you because think you they, see everybody else liking it. You think they could program almost anything? No, they could program. Well, I mean, you got to have a certain in, level in of the talent. Of technology now, you never know. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? With technology, you never know. But a person like myself and yourself, no, I don't think they could program people like us. 
because we've been doing this all our life. We know what the tricks we're, and trades. We, and we're in the culture business. We're in the culture, so it's different. But, but you think that almost anything, can, if it gets enough spins, the people will yeah. like it? Absolutely. Absolutely. Gangnam Style. Dude didn't even know didn't even know. But that English. record was hot. It was hot. It, it was it was pop. It was poppy, but it was hot. I wasn't mad at him. Okay, but if you didn't hear it as much as you did, would you have cared about it? Honestly. I mean, what I, I mean, I didn't I didn't care about it because it was pop. It didn't represent a culture, right? So it, it you know, when when you know when a Jay-Z or a Nas or even uh Drake or whatever comes out, I'm like, you're representing the culture, so I care about it, or I'm mad about the direction you're taking the culture. He 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 was a pop record. He didn't represent the culture, so I didn't I didn't care about it. But it came well, out. I was like, yo, this record is a bop. Let's make it a little easier then. When Laffy Taffy came out, <laughs> right? I'm be honest. Shout out shout to the crew, DLF, T4L. Shout to them. Shout rest in peace, Shogi Low. I hated that fucking record. But later on, I loved it. Why? Because I played in my crowd. No matter what, if I like something or not, I'm gonna play it for my crowd. It's never about me. You so will play I, something I, that you hate for my crowd. I, I I play records I hate all the time. It's never about me. It's never about. If you've seen verses, you know it's never about me. You know what I'm saying? It's always about making sure my crowd is right. So I will play a record that I hate, and because I see the crowd lose their damn mind to it. It made me like it. You know what I'm saying? Because, right. again, it's not about me. So, man, I could be wrong. I don't have to like it to love it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I can love what it does. I got DJ friends who you know who are, let's say, for lack of a better word, more snobby, who are like, I don't like that record. I don't like that artist. I'm not playing them. What you're getting when you come to hear me is my taste. But you're like... I'm going to play whatever makes the crowd move. That's right. And it's been like that all my career. That's why I do 200, well, was doing 200 shows, 250 shows a year, going hard every show all the way up until the pandemic. I stopped in the pandemic. You know what I'm saying? Um, but it's never about me at all. Let me tell you something, Torre. When people come to see me or any artist, you know, we don't think about these things, but these people are getting dressed to come, got to get a ride to get there. Got to pay to get in, buy drinks when they get there, see somebody, meet them, buy them a drink, and they're doing all that because you're in the building. So how do you not give them the best you can give them and give them what they want? You know what I'm saying? And you got promoters looking at you. You got people, you know, when I get on stage, I, it's never about me. So I always look at myself as if I was a fan watching myself and what would make me want to, what would make me like me? What would make me want to come back again? What would make a promoter want to hire me again? That's what makes me go so hard because I think of the fan. I think like I'm a fan. So that's that's what's important. And as and, and, and soon as we know as artists that we're not doing nobody a favor, things will run a lot better for a lot of different artists. You can't come to a show. You got 30 people on stage. With you, you want everybody to get in free. Right. We well, promote it, a guy to pay bills. It's, inter it's an interesting choice that you're like, I will play a record I hate if I think the audience will vibe to it mm -hmm. versus like... You 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 want me? Uh, you know I ha I mean part of what a DJ does is he gives you his taste. Mm -hmm. So like why not say I'm gonna show you this is the records that I like and not just like that I'm gonna play at home but the records that I think are are dope. Mm -hmm. Well, 
like I said, man, um, it's when it's bigger than you, you know how to manipulate things and give things to people and give people what they want. It, it's a person that a person that says I'm just gonna do it this way and that's it, that's closed-minded. That's a person. If I was to go True. see him at a show, he probably he probably wouldn't give me the goosebumps. I'd probably you, be But you're participating in the programming. I'm participating in giving you what you want. I'm making <laughs> here's my thing. My whole show is always about impact. So if I gotta give you something that you forgot about. If I got to give you something to make something sound, something that's old, make it sound like it's new, whatever I got to do to do that, I'm going to do that in that instant. And I'm going to do it all together in that in that setting. The thing about it, Torrey, here's the special part about it that people don't really realize is that, OK, you can be a person that's in New York and you know you're used to your New York crowd. But you go around, I go around the country. I'm in Albuquerque, New Mexico, you know, places that people don't from New York may not get invited to to go do shows at. As a person on stage, it's you against a whole crowd. You got to satisfy this whole crowd. You have to know, you have to satisfy all these personalities at one time. You don't know none of these people, but it's you against them. And if you're not good, the internet goes crazy. He wasn't good. He sucked. Da, 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 da. Promoters looking at that. You might've just had a bad night. The equipment might not have worked. Ain't your fault, but it's your fault. You see what I'm saying? So the first like two or three decades of you doing this, DJing was this elevated thing. Only certain people were allowed to get behind the turntables and spin. And straight up, I admire what y'all do. And I think it's the coolest thing in the world to play records for people and get them to dance. And like, you know, it, it has definitely been like a, a, a back of the mind dream of being like, yo, if I could really like get my blending together and just do a little, just do a little, a little lounge or something, I'm just spinning records for people. Like that would be the funnest thing ever. But in the last, like say 10, 15 years, it's mm -hmm. become a little more bastardized where like every cute model who's past her prime, every dude who's like a little actor who's not getting a ton of work gets a little gig and now I'm DJing and they're all over Instagram. I'm DJing and some of them are very serious with it and some of them are playing, pushing buttons. What do you think about that, about how the profession's been kind of clogged up a little bit with some people who are like, you're not really, I mean, you kind of, you love it, but you kind of, you're not a DJ DJ. I've been saying this shit for the longest time. I've been saying that for the long. When I seen Paris Hilton DJ, I was like, okay. <laughs> um, you know, that's the one, that was the gift and the curse. I made the DJ business become big with the mixtapes and, you know, my style and, and bringing the money to the business before, you know, I brought the money to the business. Ain't, you know, we ain't got to really talk about that. And with me doing that and making it, bringing the attention I did to it, it made the, it made some people feel like they could do it too. It made a lot of people feel like they could do it too. And some people, like you said, they were hot at one time and they feel like the safe zones, they could play records now and still be out. Um, you can see right through that. It's like, come on, man! Like, stop it! Like, we ain't over there in your in in, in your in Hollywood trying to take your part, right? You know, in your movie, like, what you coming over here for is not what you do. And then you got people like what happened with the quarantine when I made a big deal about 
non-DJs that saying they were DJs and it was up there begging people for cash apps right in the middle of their misery in the quarantine. I had a problem with that. I felt like, you know, it's one thing if, if you up there, you DJing or you playing or you performing or whatever, and people want to send you money because you work and they should. You're burning electricity, you're working, you're doing your thing, they should out of the goodness of their heart. Or you can even put your pen up there, you know. But when you turn around to a camera and every five minutes you're going, yo, send me $20 in my cash app, yo, who can send me $50 in my cash app in the next two minutes? You're making the business that took care of me my whole career look like me, some thirsty-ass DJs or thirsty-ass people when there's no other profession up there doing it. You know what I'm saying? It's only DJs up there doing it. So I had a problem with that. I mean, I, I, you know, like I said, I've thought about it for a while of like, yo, that would be fun as hell to DJ. But at the same time, I'm like, Yo, that would be cliche as hell to be like, yo, I've been doing all these other things in my life. And suddenly now I'm a pop up be like, yo, I'm a DJ too. Like what? And cause those people like the Paris Hiltons and others have made that, uh, you know, like, like, like look. a trendy thing. Yeah. And I'm not a doing it to be trendy, thing. but and they, it becomes a joke. Yeah. It becomes a joke. Like it's not a joke. And that, and, and it's been, a, you know what, Torrey? The reason why I went so hard is because for years and years, they looked at DJs as somebody just playing records. They looked at somebody right. at DJs as, as they a dime a dozen, like anybody could do that. You stand in front of a room and try to satisfy a room of 4,000, 14,000, 24,000 people. For and a couple see if you hours. Yo, I've, see seen, if you I've, I've seen it where, like, I used to go out and hear Mark Ronson a lot before he mm -hmm. was a name, when he was doing all the little clubs in the 90s and what have you. And, you know, I mean, he was my boy. So he'd be like, yo, I'm, I'm coming on at one, at 12, whatever it may be. You know, so you get there at 1130 or whatever and you hear the pre-DJ and he's mm -hmm. fine. He don't, you know, he's not messing up, but he's just fine. And I wouldn't mm -hmm. even have to look in the booth and I'd be like, yo, suddenly I'm dancing harder. I'm getting a little sweat. I'm getting, yo, because Mark came on 15 minutes ago and I'm not going right. to, and he, I didn't even know that he was, you know, and you do that and Stretch does that and other people who are name brands, Clark Kent, yo, they mm -hmm. fucking make the party. Part of what y'all do is taste, but part of what y'all do is I don't change from record to record. Like I could keep dancing. That's a real DJ, right? I could keep dancing the same way. And you change from three to number four to number five. You don't make me have to stop and rejigger my dancing. That's a bad DJ, right? right? A high, right. And, and, and that's one of the hardest things to do, to blend two records together in a, in a, in a way that, is, that maintains the beat and is interesting, right? And it's not just, I just slam the mixer or I just come in on the first part or I just come in on the chorus, you know, so. Yeah, it's, it's a story you got to tell, it's, it, especially when you, when you, even if you were slamming records and you playing fair, that was a, a, a style I brought into it too, playing the records quick, but uh, you could piss people off if you don't know what you're doing. Um, when, I, when, I, when I play, I try to, it's like I'm trying to tell you a story. So I'm not going to sit there and play a whole song. I'm going to play the best part of the song. And right. some songs I might play, you know, the, um, even more. But it's a way of doing it. You can't play Planet Rock with computer love. Like, you'll piss people off. You have to make everything tell a story. That next record that you put on, that rest, that record you was playing might have been this person's favorite record. So if you're going to turn it turn it off, that next record that you got to put on, it's got to make that person feel like they're going to say, damn, you took it off. But just my shit too. Yes. And it makes them forget about what happens the last time. But if it don't work out that way, now you got people stop dancing 
looking at you. Wait, when you, you know, say you're man, telling a story, is it just sonic or is there something more to it than just? It's just sonic. It's the way I look when I'm doing it. It's the, it's the climb. It's the climax. It's, 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 I'm always trying to build you up like this, like this, like this. So at the end of the night, you've never seen or felt anything like this before. You know what I'm saying? And and that's the story. I When I leave, I want to, it to be the best show you've ever seen from a DJ. You know, so the best feeling you ever had from a DJ. My shows, you know, you have to see it. You have to be there. You have to see how it be. It, it be it be crazy, man. It really do it. And, 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 and I'm thankful for that because it's been years. A lot of times you say, you know, you've been in this business 10 years and you're out of here. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I'm the, the energy that you could create and other people who are at the, the few people who are at your level, an hour or whatever with you is going to be more exciting than an hour with, with, with most MCs, the top exactly. level MCs. And in, that was but, my problem. That was my problem from the beginning. This artist will come do two up two songs, right? Don't even really perform, right? Walking behind, back and forth on the stage, do his two songs. But you want to pay this man all this money. This DJ is there that rips this place down. Let's say myself, I'm ripping this place down two hours straight. Same amount of people, same size room, but you don't want to pay me the right way? Nah, I'm good. Go get the, you know, whoever you want to get, and then you'll come back later on and you'll see me later on. And, and that me taking that stance elevated the DJ because now you're not putting me in no corner. In no DJ booth. You're gonna take Jay-Z, give him a microphone, something on the DJ booth. Now nah, you're gonna shoot me like an artist. I'm gonna send a stage, I'm gonna rip it down just like Jay-Z gonna do. You see what I'm saying? It had somebody had to take the stand, but there are other people that they they complicit in what they do. They're all right if you put them in the corner or they're right if you do this. And that's cool, and there's nothing wrong with it. I'll knock that. It's just the way I wanted to be seen. I wanted the DJ to be looked at as an artist. I didn't want to be looked at as somebody who just play records or we can just get anybody. And before I came and brought money to the to the game, if you wasn't Jam Master J or Jazzy Jeff behind Will Fresh Smith Prince. or Red Alert on the radio, you know, you didn't make you, know, you make a lot of money. You know what I'm saying? They wasn't playing hip-hop across the country at radio stations around the country. We would go to radio stations, they wasn't even playing hip-hop. They didn't even have our records. So if you wasn't Red Alert on the radio or Marley Ma on the radio, you know, you didn't have that. So when I came in, I, I said I wanted money in there. I wanted, I wanted I want this to be something that people are going to look at it as the same way as an artist and treat it, and treat it as such. So even with my first album, I was a DJ making a rap album. I even asked for the album deal. Biz Markie got my first album deal. Ooh. I rhymed on the whole album. I did all in, the beats on the album. In terms of telling the story as you're DJing, you're never going to play the whole record. You're never going to play two verses of a record. It, you know, we're going to get one verse and a chorus. Unless it it's really depends. hot. Hardly ever two verses. If the record is super boiling, then it's going to get the whole, it'll get two verses. If it's yeah. boiling at the time. Yeah. That perfect example, like uh, Bobby Smurder didn't have, uh, uh, he didn't have a hook on that record. But the record was so crazy, you played damn near the whole record. Because everybody was saying every part of the record. Yeah. But usually we want to get in and now, out. Yeah, usually we want to get in and out in about 30 seconds after one chorus. No, not, no, 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 it's not necessarily true. It depends on what the record is. I could play one record. I could just play the hook. Then I could play another record. I just play the hook in the verse. Play right. another record, play the hook, play another record, play the hook, play another record, play two verses. It depends on what the record is and what what's going on at the time. You see what I'm saying? So. Yeah, it's like you painting a picture. It's like you making a puzzle. It's it's 
know what I'm saying? It's not just playing records. It's not about playing just a hot record that's out because you want the reaction. Nah, that's bullshit. You play those records at the end of the night like, you're, I, like I don't need them. It, it's, it's about painting the picture. It's about making a person go, God damn, bro, I'm tired, but I can't sit down. Right. Yo, look at my hair. My hair is crazy. Right. right. Yo, I'm all day, but I, I'm satisfied. Right. Like, it makes people like that. It makes people say, you know what? Pay this man what he wants. When, when you go, when I go do All-Star Weekend or Super Bowl or whatever, it's all these promoters at the place at one time seeing this. And they know exactly what they want for their party. So when we come to do their show in their, in their place, it makes them look good. You got to pay for that. You got to pay for what you want. Usually you start at the beginning of a record, right? Because that's the part we usually know the best, right? Depends. Okay. It depends. It could be the beginning, it could be the, the, the middle, it could be the, the, the hook part, it could be a breakdown, it could be a, a part that you looped, a, a, a vocal part that you might have looped that's in the record. It could be anything. That's why you paint a picture. Because you have these, these records, is all these records, it has different parts to make you do different things. You don't have to do the same thing all the time. So it makes you do different things and if you know, if you're if you a music historian, you're really a good DJ and you really know what you're doing, you could create some things out of it that make it brand new. And right now you have people that, like myself, I have a bunch of stems of different artists of their shows, of, of their uh, records that they made. You know what I'm saying? I could take those stems and put brand new beats on them with the same vocals of the original vocals. I could take some of those vocals out and take the guitar from it and put the guitar by itself, no drums, no bass. I can manipulate it any kind of way I want. Now I'm painting a picture of you when I come to this live show and play for you. You never heard this before. You know one thing you I hear Michael Jackson. You didn't hear Michael Jackson uh, bad, I mean, a uh, uh, Billy Jean without the drums before. You never heard that. Right, 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 right. Now I'm painting a picture of you sitting there listening, boom, 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 no drums. Now I'm making a build-up. All of a sudden, the drums come. Boom, boom, boom. Crowd go crazy. You know what I'm saying? You paint the picture. Instead right, you, of just throwing the record on. Well, with the example you're talking about, you're really creating a tension that I want, because I know that melody, and I'm used to hearing it with the drum, and now I'm kind of like, all right, come on, give it, give it, give it, give it to me. And then and the drum comes EDM in, I'm like, is. yes. And that's what EDM became. Mm-hmm. EDM is the buildup. And it drops down into another noise. Everybody standing around looking around and it starts to back up. And go crazy. It's the buildup. It's the excitement. It's the what to look for next. You know what I'm saying? One of the things that I love about Beyonce versus 90. 9% of other artists, she is more likely to start with a chorus or a hook. Most records start with a verse that goes into the chorus. She mm-hmm. starts with a chorus. And then mm-hmm. by the, by like 45 seconds, you're hearing the chorus a second time and it just mm-hmm. amps you up more. And I bet as a DJ, that's like, yes, thank you for starting with the chorus. Cause that's the hottest part of the record. Yeah. It's a formula. Well, it depends on if that's the hottest part of the record. You know what I'm saying? Excuse me. And it's just a formula of how to make music to get people to be, to lure people in. It's just a formula. It's more than just the song. It's the way you structure the song. You know? So yeah, it's, it's tricks to it. That's why my album right now, you know, I'm robbing the whole album. And if you listen to this album, the way I did the beats and everything, I produced the whole album. 
if you listen to everything, it's a structure. It's, it, when you listen from beginning to the end, I'm taking you on a journey. I'm telling you a story. Yeah. You listen to the whole thing. It's like, wow. It's like, I sit there and listen to my album right now and you still get excited. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. What does eating healthy mean to you? Whatever your eating goals, Thrive Market is the best place to get all your groceries and household essentials. And getting Thrive shipped to your door is like having a great supermarket right outside your house. I love that Thrive Market carries brands with the highest quality ingredients and ethical sourcing methods. Whether you're looking for organic kid snacks or low-sugar alternatives or gluten-free essentials, Thrive Market's got it, and their site lets you curate your shopping experience quickly. And as a Thrive member... I save on every order, usually about 30%, which of course I love. And when you join, you help a family in need with the membership matching program. Join in on the savings with Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order plus a $60 gift for free. Go to thrivemarket.com slash for 30% off your first order plus that free $60 gift. That's Thrive, T-H-R-I-V-E Market dot com slash Torrey thrive market dot com slash Torrey on March 16th 2000 two sheriff's deputies were shot in Atlanta Jamil Alamine a Muslim leader and former black power activist was convicted but the evidence was shaky and the whole truth didn't come out during the trial my name is Mosi Secret and when I started investigating this case in my hometown I uncovered a dark truth about America from Tinderfoot TV Campside Media and iHeart Podcasts Radical is available now Listen to the new podcast, Radical, for free on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. We talk about the DJs who are, who are, let's say, below you on a food chain. There are people also who are very technical and can do the transformer scratch and go behind the back. And I'm sure you could do all those tricks but well, not really. I used to. I used to be able to do them. <laughs> yeah, no but like, like for me, a party DJ, if I can, if I can say that, who's yes, gonna make me dance? I like mm-hmm. that. A guy mm-hmm. who makes me stop and watch him do tricks. I'm like, I respect it as a person who mm-hmm. is, you know, hip hop to the core. But I'm mm-hmm. like, but now it's just, it's ultimately, it's just a bunch of dudes standing around watching you do tricks. And I'm like, right. that, that that bores me. Can we get back? If I'm not moving and dancing, I'm like, you're not really, for me, you're not really bringing it as as a DJ. Yeah, well, you know what? Um, I don't know if you've seen the verses. I don't know if you've seen the verses, but when you get a chance, you know, go back and check it. But that was my point I made the other day. Like, I, I respect all the DMC DJs and the DJs that do tricks and all of that stuff. That shit is like a work of art. It's magic. Absolutely. It's really incredible. It really is. But it does not stand up to a party DJ. It doesn't right. stand because you got women that will look at that for two or three minutes and they're done with it. Right. They, they want to party. They want to shake their ass. They want to do what they do. They want to feel fly. So ultimately, if you're a dope, dope party DJ that know how to shake it up, you know, it's not going to level up to it. Tell me. So if we were to talk about you know, baseball or basketball, we could say, you know, these are the elements of being a great ball player. You got to be able to you know, run and throw and catch. And da, 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 da. So mm-hmm. the elements of being a great DJ, what are they? Knowing that it's not about you. That's the first thing. First and foremost, it's not about you. People get caught up in, in body they self 
I hate a little rapper that walks around like a little rapper all day. Don't know how to turn it off. You know what I'm saying? So it's the same thing. It's not about you. It's about the bigger picture. You know what I'm saying? And if you don't know that, then you're never going to be, you're never going to be as great as you can be. You know, and um, once you know that, then everything else will follow. Talent, you know, know-how, it's, discipline. It, I, I, I respect what you're saying. And I know we talked about that. So I know that's who you, but I have encountered sometimes DJs will play a record that I didn't know. And, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, I mean, I've been listening to music for a long time, so that's, that's not, I don't know everything, but that's not easy to find a hot record. And then, and when you play me some deep in the cut, you know, Betty Davis or Isaac Hayes or whatever that I never really, I'm like, yo, I'm, I'm extremely impressed that you introduced yeah, me to some now, shit. Well, that's the job. That's the DJ's job to break records. Unfortunately, a lot of DJs don't do that right no more. They, you know, they don't break them. And I'm not talking about playing a record. I'm talking about breaking the record to where you make people, you, you make people like it. You, you push it on people, let them get used to it. Like we were talking earlier, but a lot of times, man, um, people will play stuff that they really like, and they don't see nothing outside of that. And, you know, and I, and I know a couple of DJs was like that, that speak that, that told me that, that, you know, I don't play anything. I don't like, you know, um, <laughs> and and most of the time, people that think that way, they don't have a lot. They have a limited amount. They have a limited amount of stuff. They don't really know. They don't have their their horizons not really broadened to know a whole lot of things. But you guys so, are you guys are very left and right brain in that it's about your taste and your ear and your creativity mm-hmm. as well as your relationship to the technology in front of you. Mm-hmm. I don't really get too caught up in too much of the technology stuff. I'm with the new stuff, but I don't really get into the trickery of all of it. No. I just like breaking up. Yeah. But um, yeah, but for some DJs, it's amazing for them, you know. Uh, but I just use it regular. I just I, I just I don't know. I just but, have you, that thing but you still got you gotta be manipulating the turntables, yeah, manipulating the, yeah, yeah, and yeah, the mixer yeah. and all that sort of stuff. Um yeah. You've been on a lot of legendary tours, Puffy, Jay-Z, Aaliyah, other people. Can you please give us a crazy tour story? Um, yeah, I can tell you this. Uh, I think my fate, my best show I ever probably did was at the Garden with Aaliyah. And I was helping Aaliyah out on tour. We, we, did, uh, we did the Budweiser Superfest, me, Aaliyah, Mary J. Blige, Usher, Drew Hill and not Usher, Drew Hill, um, Bone Thugs and Harmony and Genuine. And um, Aaliyah had me come out in the middle of a show because she needed, she you know, her show was a dance show, so she wanted some aggression. So I would come out in the middle of a show. And when we did the garden, it, it was so crazy. I brought Buster Rhymes on stage with me. After I did my set, I brought Buster on stage. And this is right when Put Your Hands Where I Could See came out. And when I dropped Put Your Hands Where I Could See, to this day, me and Buster talk about all the wind that we felt from people screaming in the arena at the stage towards us. We felt the people's breath. I'm glad Buster was there to witness this because if I'd have told that somebody was like, kid, shut up, stop lying. But he was there. He always said, yo, kid, do you remember the garden when we stood there and felt the breath? The people were going so crazy. We felt their breath screaming at us. It was the most magical shit ever. So yeah, that was one crazy thing that happened. That was like my best show. 
But as far as like being on tour, I'm gonna tell you, Def Comedy Jam tour, the most fun ever, man. Being with Bernie, Bernie Mac, four years, yo, man, oh my god, yo, being on the tour bus with Bernie Mac, man, this dude funny from the time he wake up to the time <laughs> he gets on stage to host it, then get off the off the stage and get back on the bus. To go to the next day, and he's funny all the way until we go to sleep. We we fall asleep. He over there messing with the bus driver, making him pull over because he's laughing his ass. So he put a stock cap on, have his Heineken in his hand, and be funny all day naturally. You just look at him and laugh. You, but you know, you around him, Chris Tucker, you know, Jamie Foxx, all these incredible dudes, man. I'm living with these dudes practically on the road. Were you you were there when he did his I ain't scared of you motherfuckers bit? Yeah, yeah, I was there with that. When we did kick it, kick it. When we did kick it, that wasn't even that wasn't even made up. We just made that up on the spot, and we he, couldn't do no concert around the country without doing kick it. And but we did. Just, I ain't scared of you, motherfuckers. That was because the dude, the reason why he said I ain't scared of you, motherfuckers, because the dude that came on before him is I think his name was Butch something. He's from D.C. He got booed. It was only two people in Def Comedy taping history that got booed. That was him and Shucky Ducky. When he got booed, Bernie came out and said, I ain't scared of you motherfuckers. That's where that came from. <laughs> he wasn't even supposed to say that. Right. Because the dude got booed before time. Right. So, yeah, and it became classic. Super no, classic. I mean, every time, I've watched that routine so many times, and every time he says it, he says it with this, I mean, this fearlessness, this aggression, yeah. and yeah. it's hysterical. Yeah, it's hilarious. Yo, we used to be backstage or be in the dressing room or just be hanging out. And I remember one time he tried to teach us how to uh, to uh, spell a motherfucker. <laughs> he spelled it M-O-T-H-E-R. He spelled it M-U-H fucker. <laughs> <laughs> and he got mad because nobody knew how to spell it. Yo, it was funny. Yo, the, yo, the way he get mad It'd be funny, man. It, it, he was a he was one of a kind, man. It was a big loss losing him, man. Yo, there's some some in the way he said that line. It kind of reminded me too of my father, like not not like my father specific, but like your father would be like, oh, you know, uh, I'm gonna put my foot in your ass. I ain't scared yeah, of you, like God of, damn, because you can't. You know, it's just all in the way you say that line. There's nothing yeah. funny inherently in the line, but the way you say it. And I mean, he yeah, could have read the, the way phone book. You say it. That's why comedy is so dope because comedy is timing. Comedy is you got to really comedy is just making people laugh about shit. That's true. Right. They right. Let, it is, we talk about things that's true and people are like, yeah, that's just funny. What's this happening to me? Ah! That's what it is. It's who, who is the funniest motherfucker to you out of that whole run that you, that you saw out of Def Comedy Jam? Bernie Mac, hands down. The funniest out of everybody. The funniest out of everybody. It was some great, great, incredible, from Chris Tucker to Eddie Griffith to, we can go on and on and on. You know, Bernie, he was the top. Uh, what is, what it, I'm wondering, I ask everybody this, your, your superpower. What's your superpower? What do you do better than other people within your field? that has allowed you to have all the success? Well, I won't say what I do that's better than other people. What I, what I do for myself is I show humility. I appreciate my position. I don't abuse my privilege. 
I don't mush what I do in people's face. I don't take advantage of people. I don't manipulate people. There's nothing out there that says Kiki Pree did bad business with people, shitting on people, treated people foul. If anything, I'm always trying to help people and look out, you know, and do what I can do. And what defines you is when you do stuff behind people that they don't know about that's positive for them. That's, the, that's what defines who you are to them. So that's what I do. I'll call entertainers to check on them and see if their health is all right. You eating good? You doing right? You doing anything? Never to ask for anything. Buster Rhymes called me. He was like, yo, you never asked for shit. Well, I was supposed to ask for something because I know you and I know you got it. I got my own. You're my man. If I, I'm calling to check that you're healthy, you're all right. And we don't get a lot of that. We get a lot of times people want what they want, you know. You know, and, and, and you know, it's unfortunate because a lot of people in this business I made rich. I had something to do with a part of their career, you know, in some kind of way. And you would think they would call and say, okay, you good? You all right? You straight? You know, you don't get no call. And I don't need it. I don't look for it. But, you know, you see what you see. God give you eyes to see. So, you know. You deal with it accordingly. Thank you so much to the Kid Capri for a great interview. And thanks to you for listening. Torre Show gives you fuel to power your dreams because you can use your dreams like a rocket ship to blast you into a life you never imagined. You can make your dreams a reality and maybe this show can help. You can find me on Twitter at Torre and on Instagram at Torre Show. Torre Show is written by me, Torre, and produced by Jackie Garifano. Our editors, Ryan Woodhall. Our photographers are Chuck Marcus and Shanta Covington and Nick Carp. Our booker is Claudia Jean, and we're distributed by DCP Entertainment. And we will be back next Wednesday with more amazing guests because the man can't shut us down. We live in a world where you can get anything you need delivered to your door thanks to DoorDash. If you don't want to do the dishes or you feel a little sick, let DoorDash bring dinner tonight. My family uses DoorDash all the time because it connects us to our favorite restaurants without us having to drive. Last night, we got some Indian food for my wife, some gumbo for me, and sushi for the kids. And everyone was happy, and we didn't have to do the dishes. The process of ordering was quick and easy, and I love DoorDash for real. So I was so happy to do this for them because I'm a customer, because I know DoorDash is your door to more. Must be over 21 to order alcohol. Alcohol available only in select markets. DoorDash, your door to more. Download the DoorDash app now to get almost anything delivered.